This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just how good were City in Madrid? Which side goes into the second leg feeling most confident? And could Lionel Messi be about to join the Blues? All of that and more in today's show. It's Thursday the 11th of May. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Luke Bardsley. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from? Oh, the goal to keep this extraordinary run going. Sergio Aguero. Unbelievable. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6. It's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3. Manchester City 4, they have made the impossible possible. This episode is sponsored by Beer Monster, the best place to find your favorite brews for refreshingly low prices. With a wide selection of ales, wines, ciders, and more, there's no better time to place your order and start the summer off right. Listeners to this show can snatch five pounds off their next order with the discount code CityPod05. That's CityPod05. UK only, terms and conditions apply. Drink responsibly. First things first, uh, new signing alert. Welcome Luke, season ticket holder in the South Stand Level 1, host of the Off The Beat Podcast 2. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the invite. Um, it's nice to do something a little bit out of my comfort zone as well. Usually I'm the host and asking all the questions, but <laughs> I'm happy to take all responsibility away from myself and let you two kind of go go along on the road. It's, it's good to be here. Really, really appreciate the invite. No, all good, man. All good. Obviously, um, if you haven't already, listeners, Luke and I did a recording about a month or so ago. It was, I think, um, came down to your your prompture studio, which is a barber's in Glossop. Lovely little setup. We spoke for about an hour or so about football, about city, about all sorts of different life things as well. So go and check that out. Offbeat podcast, uh, offbeat podcast one, isn't it? Social wise, on yes, on, uh, yeah, on yeah, on socials. Instagram and majority of the social media. Yeah, offbeat podcast one. 
Superb. Go and check that out. Not until you've listened to today's episode. I'm delighted to say, Adam, you've made a swift recovery off uh, <laughs> off some food poisoning, which sounded, I, I shouldn't laugh, it sounded gruesome, to be honest with you. It, it sounded like you had a really rough time of it. Yeah, it was absolutely one of the worst things I've ever experienced. I had my first solid food in like 40 hours this morning. So <laughs> I'm uh, I'm slowly getting back here. I'm still kind of feeling a little, a little spacey and a little out of it. So if I you know, say something that makes absolutely no sense. It probably makes sense to me. <laughs> Are there any organizations who want to sort of indict that made you feel like this? Because it is, yes, like I said, it, some of it, the messages were, were sounded pretty horrible. It was 100% Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> some dodgy chicken from Wendy's. Um, yep. So that's why you weren't on yesterday's show for full clarity. If you haven't already, go back and listen to that. I was joined by Oliver Kirsch and Ollie McCool. We spoke about the Real Madrid game in pretty pretty high detail, the good, the bad, the ugly, blah, blah. So I'm going to sort of take a back seat a little bit today because I've given my thoughts. I've shared them on yesterday's show. I'm going to I'm gonna let these two lads start off with, talk us through their, their sort of feelings and emotions about the game. Luke, I'll start with you. Real Madrid 1, Manchester City 1. Firstly, what was your opinion at full time and in the sort of the 24 hours since has that changed? Uh, Not at all. It was pure delight, I think I'd like to say, with the result. I mean, obviously, as you know, Amos, we've been seeing ticket orders for a long time. We've we've been through the highs and the lows. Even to play at Real Madrid is an absolute Mm. delight nowadays. But to actually come away with a draw and be the better team for the majority of the game, I thought personally. Um, I was in the same mindset as you. I, I got a little bit of stick off my friends on Twitter because they did tweet that if we did come away with a 1-0 loss, I'd be happy. Mm. Um, sometimes I think it, I'd probably prefer it to a 1-0 win. Um, and I think got a bit of abuse from my friends from there. But I think a 1-1 draw just really sets up the second tie really nicely. Um, and it gives us, I think, it, it, it doesn't mean that Pep may overthink it. I think we might go all guns blazing the home leg and hopefully just blow them away. Yeah, I, I was exactly the same at full time uh, when it was one one. I got a few messages saying, oh, "I'm so I'm so gutted we didn't lose three 0 blah blah blah." Because I'd said that maybe a sli- a smaller defeat would have been better than a, a marginal win. But Adam, um, you know, we spoke numerous times about our affiliation and our sort of feelings to this competition and how it differs. And you know, there's some City fans out there who were who were all in on the Champions League, and that you know, that's absolutely fine. I think you know, eventually it may get there, and, and nights like that do certainly help, but. It was weird, wasn't it? Because the first half, City were really good, but went in behind. The second half, comparatively, City were pretty poor, but managed to steal a pretty wonderful goal at the same time. So it was like a contrasting emotions. This sort of, what do you want to feel? How should we remember the game? But ultimately, 1-1 away at the Bernabeu is a fantastic result. It was a fantastic result. And you you talk about you know how there's some of the fans are... Are on the side of the competition. Some are. I. I. Um. I actually think that first forty-five minutes last night was the exact reason as to why I. I don't really care about the competition. I mean, I. I <laughs> I'm sure I put out a tweet at halftime saying like, some of you actually take this serious. Um, <laughs> Which I was mean, received the, well as usual. Yeah. Uh. You know the the Car- Carvajal push on Grealish at the end, the Rudiger smash to the face of of Gundogan, things like that. That. Eh, I have no interest really, but um, disregarding the scoreline as a whole, I think you could say this is exactly how this game probably should have played out. Going to the Bernabeu, it's physical. Real Madrid have this great habit of kind of lulling you into this 
this very comfortable pattern of you have the ball, you have a couple of chances, they hold on, and then they hit you really quickly. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, that Vinicius goal was was something special. Um, but like you said, it's it's kind of the perfect result because I think when you look at City's record at the Etihad as of late, it's slowly but surely becoming a place that I think people fear going to. Um, it hasn't felt like that in years past, but now it feels like when you see some of the big results this year in really big occasions, the Arsenal game, um, other champions, that, that first leg against Bayern Munich, you know, it's, it's becoming a place where teams don't want to go and play because they get blitzed and they get blitzed really quickly. So I think having the scoreline be where it is and having it kind of just be a one-off game now, you know, this, this, this first leg is completely canceled out. It means nothing. It's, it's a one-off mm. game. Um, I think that's exactly where City want to be because they'll fancy themselves against any team in world football in a one-off game at home. They, they certainly will. And, and that was the line of thinking I I was carrying until somebody said, I can't remember on what podcast or, or if it was a tweet or whatever, but he said, uh, I think it was Courtois actually spoke about the fact that Real Madrid are pretty good in finals. And now, Luke, this game at the Etihad turns into a one-off final. And, and then I start, I looked at it and went, Oh no, they are really good in finals in City. You know, you know we can we can look ahead to that game a bit a bit later on in the week. But in, just to sort of wrap up the performance itself, I found it really interesting. I think Sam Lee in the Athletic wrote an article yesterday about it, saying the most impressive thing about City's performance at Real Madrid was the stuff that wasn't there. And there wasn't the, as I alluded to yesterday, and, and Adam sort of maybe resonated this with his food poisoning, the shit in the bed. You know, City maybe scraped through little parts of that game, but they managed to get out having only conceded one. And what a fantastic goal it was they conceded. So you sort of hold your hands up. Edison making superb saves. Ruben Diaz making blocks. It felt if you compare the two matches, and obviously this was a first leg last year, was a second leg. There was a clear difference though in the way City approached the game. And that's only encouraging, isn't it? Of course. I, I, I just feel like we were professional. I think that's the best word to describe us yesterday. Um, City of old would have crumbled. As soon as that first mm. goal would have come in, um, the very much of pressure would have came and I feel like City would have started making silly little mistakes and then it would have gone backwards. Whereas straight away after that goal, I think we had about a two-minute um, play where we just had possession for the whole two minutes, just simply passing it around. And it just took that sting out of the game, really, and took that momentum away from Real Madrid. Um I loved Grealish. I mean, I'm a huge Grealish fan. Everybody sits around near me at City in the South Stand know how much I love Grealish. <laughs> the way that he keeps the ball, the way that he gets fouled in places where usually people be like, run at a defender, go past him, mm. try and take a risk. Whereas Grealish will just simply have a look at the right back, say, actually, what's the point here? We'll cut back. We'll play it back to usually Sake. Last night it was a Kanji. Simply play back, keep with possession, rotate it round. And I think that Grealish really came into his own with the professionalism. Okay, he wasn't the big flash player where some he was at Aston Villa. Mm. But being able to just have that cool, calm head, I think, really helped us. And just being able to just keep that ball rolling, take the sting out of Rainwich's play. And we played, like I think, a near-perfect away performance mm. with keeping the ball. Um, if only we could have been a bit more direct, but I think in the second leg we'll see a much more direct play. We'll see balls into Haaland and then we'll hopefully see more goals. Yeah, because Haaland obviously got a little bit of criticism and, and Rudiger got plenty of praise for 
silence in Haaland, but I think it was more, like you say, it was more the case that City didn't want to play those balls in behind and risk sort of the transition. And and that was, you know, let's face it, that was a must win for Real Madrid, I felt like, or at least it was a game that they certainly couldn't lose and they could have really, really done with going to the Etihad with an advantage. As it goes, as we know, it's 1-1. Um, Adam, just sort of a few points that we, we covered in small detail, but not in massive detail on yesterday's show. The debacle with, uh, which is really sort of the first time ever, sort of forced Carlo Ancelotti to show some sort of emotion as opposed to shrugging his eyebrow. The debacle with the ball going out of play or not going out of play, blah, blah, blah. We we, we briefly mentioned it yesterday uh, where BN Sport, um, who are a broadcaster, who are a Qatari broadcaster, managed to invent this sort of, this brand new technology, which not even FIFA have got the, 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 the mittens on, nor UEFA, to decide whether or not the ball went out of play it was a complete and utter fabrication Arsene Wenger chimed in um, a man who's sort of done a very good job of torching his own legacy since he finished management but Real Madrid and and it's and the thing is I hope it did go out of play because of the one fan base you want to choose in world football to piss off it's Real Madrid but they have seen their arses completely yeah I mean from a logical point of view um the fact that it went out of play doesn't mean anything because Kamavinga picked up the ball, Real Madrid got possession, they gave it away again, which led to the goal. But that was a whole new passage of play, and from there, the ball going out of play was kind of void. Um, from an emotional point of view, City were due some luck in the competition mm. in moments like that. You know, you think back to was it Anfield in 2018 when Leroy Sané's goal was called offside wrongly. Um, that would have, I think, made it maybe 3-2 at Anfield. And then there was another offside goal at the Etihad in the second leg. And um, yeah. and so, you know, City reduced some luck in the competition. Um, and if anybody has seen, you know, the, the better side of luck in the Champions League, it's it's Real Madrid at home. So, you know, it, it was kind of, uh, it was bound to happen against them eventually. Um, but just picking up on what, what Luke said, I think the control in this game from City was exactly what Pep's tr- been trying to do for about four four years now. And it's just failed spectacularly every time. We, You know, the, the one time I've ever seen City kind of forsake control was maybe that second leg against Spurs that ended, what, 4-3 on the night. But mm. almost every other Champions League failure has been Pep trying to control every aspect of the game, failing, the team crumbling, and 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 they get knocked out. Whereas I think last night was the epitome of City's progress in this competition that in a semifinal, in a huge atmosphere at, at Madrid, they go and they do control everything. And, and like Luke said, you know, they could have absolutely crumbled after the Vinicius goal. You know, up until the Vinicius goal, City were far the better team and probably should have had a goal or two. I think two years ago they collapsed after that, but no, they they put their foot on top of the ball. They do all the short passes. They keep control, keep possession, and they kind of take the atmosphere back down. They take the sting out of the game. And I think that right there, that response, is what Pep has been working to for four or five years now. It's interesting, isn't it? Because trying to control matches isn't something that Guardiola is sort of new to. It's been his philosophy since he started management and, well, since he was playing. But what do you think has changed then, Luke, to allow City to do that at the Bernabeu because obviously they've added in Erling Haaland who has taken away even if sort of Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus, whoever was playing there, Sergio Aguero, wasn't necessarily a midfielder. They were a striker who would be much better sort of passing and link up play. So you sort of got... Te- 
including Edison, you've probably got about nine and a half outfield players, which is obviously it removes an element of control. But for some reason, City look more controlled now than they did in, in previous years. Is it the case that they know with someone like Erling Haaland, with someone like Kevin De Bruyne, they only need a half chance to score a goal as opposed to last season? I know Kevin De Bruyne was there, but it felt like City needed to create 20 chances to score four. Yeah, I, I think the trust is so high in that City squad at this moment in time. Um, I think it's fascinating when you watch it on a match day. Um, obviously, we have a completely different view to how other people see it on TV because we see it on ground level. Mm. And the fact of the amount of times where players never get driven towards the ball, they never have to go searching for the ball. Like Sometimes, but Jack Grealish will just stand on the left-hand flank and he'll just stand there for five minutes. Won't get mm. the ball, he'll just stand there because that's his position. Um, I always like to refer back to um, the Thierry Henry interview he did when he first joined Sky and he talked about how Pep likes to, you play in your position and that is what, that's your job and you don't mess it up essentially. You stay in your position mm. and the ball will find you. So I feel like the trust with this city has maybe come with experience maybe. If you're looking at that squad now, pr- practically every member of that squad has won something. I think literally every yeah, member yeah, of our yeah. squad has won something now. So they know what it's like to play in these high-pressure games. And when you've got a centre-half like Ruben Diaz barking orders at you non-stop, telling you what you need to do and making the right decisions, you've got a Rodri playing holding midfielder who isn't going to give the ball away. You've got a Haaland up front who is going to score that goal and get that half chance. You've got a De Bruyne who last night had a pretty average game, I want to say, a pretty average game, and mm. he came up with a world-class finish. <laughs> I feel like when you've got players like that around you, you can just have that ability where we're going to have a five-minute spell where we're probably going to score. And I feel like some people call it arrogance from other teams I see on Twitter. I call it confidence in our own ability where we're going to come back and we know what we are capable of. And I think it shows it in these big, high-pressure games now. A little bit like Real Madrid, isn't it? The way they mm-hmm. sort of play, the way you know when you're two, three, four and up against Real Madrid, you're never out of the game. And it certainly does feel like that's the case now. Um, a little bit of a jovial point then to finish part one, Adam. Alfie Harland had a fun night, didn't he? If his, if his son was a little bit quiet, his dad certainly wasn't. He was uh, reportedly, we must say, because I know Alfie's been uh, fighting back on Twitter a little bit, he was reportedly escorted away from the from the stands for, for goading the local, the local Real Madrid. Madrid fans. He has since debunked claims that he was throwing peanuts at the Real Madrid fans, which I was gutted about. I really wish that was true, but it looks like he's, and it's no surprise because he was a footballer, he knows what Manchester City was about, but it looks like he's fully bought into it as well. And, you know, if if I'm Real Madrid and I'm trying to get Erling Haaland to uh, convince convince Erling Haaland to come to the Bernabeu, throwing and, and goading stuff at his dad is probably not the way to go about it. Yeah, neither is kicking his dad out of the ground. No, it, it it looked like he had a superb night. I mean, he did everything short of doing the Poznan up in the up in the suite that he was in. Um, I'd love to know who the gang of what I'd I'd imagine are a bunch of Norwegians uh, sat up there with him. That they're always up with him at the Etihad. I don't know who they are, but they they're always in the same mood. They they kind of look to Alfie and they say, okay, if if he's getting arrogant, so will we. If they're up mm. celebrating, so will we. Um, but yeah, you're spot on that. It, it doesn't really look like the father of a man who's destined for Real Madrid at the moment, does it? I mean, nothing points towards the fact that he's he's headed to Real Madrid in the next few years. Um, but yeah, that was 
probably the icing on on top of the cake to see these the footage of him having to be escorted out and and the Madrid fans chanting God knows what in Spanish. Um, yeah, it was it was absolutely hilarious. It, the, the best bit about it, and I assume everyone at this point has seen the clip, but it's when he goes up to the sort of like the glass barrier just in front of the stands. He starts like pointing to his ear and cupping his ear as, as the uh, as the Spanish police start to drag him out. Luke, it was it was fantastic, and, and with Harland as well, you you feel like um, again, shout out Sam Lee, you wrote a really good piece about him, but he mentioned the fact that even when Harland scores. He's oh, sorry. Even when Haaland doesn't score, he's he's over the moon. He's delighted for the player who does score, and you know he's a true team player, and that resonates through his dad as well. And and you know you see, I guess it's maybe because he was a professional himself, and he knows the pressure. But you, you, it would be easy for Alfie Haaland to be a bit of a pushy parent and think I've got a world star here, and whatever opportunity I'm going to try and milk the cow a little bit. But it doesn't seem to be like that. It just seems like a really nice relationship the two of them have, and City are benefiting from it. Obviously, Haaland didn't score against Real Madrid, but he scored a bloody enough goals this season. City are benefit benefiting from it as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I always like to judge people based on their friends and who they socialise with. And if you look at who his best friends are out of that City squad, it's the Laffers, it's the Jokers, it's the people with Jovi, mm. it's your Jack Grealish, it's your John Stones. It's the people who like to have a laugh and have a joke, really. And I think it comes across with how they play. Like they just, Harlan plays very calm. And for a man who's six foot five, <laughs> when he runs, he doesn't look like he runs properly. When he, when he kicks a ball, he doesn't look like he kicks a ball properly. And he just looks so calm in everything he does. He, he has like an, an innate belief in himself. And I think that stems from his dad. Unfortunately, with his dad, his, his career got cut short. We all know that. And I feel like as soon as Harlan was born, a ball was at his feet. And I feel like they both have such a love for the game that was born and bred into him. And it shows with the success and watching him at grounds. I mean, he could be sat with me in the South Stand um, outfit, <laughs> and he would not be out of place in any way, shape, or form. And I love that. And he just makes you love the player on mm. the, and, the, and his dad even more than we already do. Yeah, it'd be so easy for them to turn up every week and sit in the box with sunglasses and a cap on and not get involved. But by God, do they do they get involved and have they bought into it? Um, that'll do for part one. Join us in a moment. Don't go anywhere as we continue part two. This episode of the City Report podcast is sponsored by Beer Monster, the best place to find your favorite brews for refreshingly low prices. Start the summer off right by ordering one of Beer Monster's draft tap machines so you, the listener, can pour the perfect pint from the comfort of your own home. Listeners to this show can snatch a further five pounds off their next order with the discount code CityPod05. That's CityPod05. UK only, T's and C's apply, drink responsibly. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Another reminder, if you haven't already, our review show from yesterday dropped. It was a good one. Go back and listen to that. We're going to park the Real Madrid game for now. Last 10 minutes of today's show. We're going to we're going to react to some news that we wanted to speak about um, last week, but obviously didn't get the chance because of the, the, the flurry of matches. And it's to do with Lionel Messi. Now, quick disclaimer for any aggregators listening, for any journalists listening, this is not news. We do not know anything. This is not inside information. Pure speculation, but Luke Lionel Messi is leaving PSG. That is as good as confirmed. He did his his 
pretty weird little apology video in his sort of like in his suit and he's sort of in in his spare bedroom but he's gonna go he's uh, that's two years a pretty damp sort of two years it has to be said um at psg he's gonna be on the on the market there are talks about maybe moving to saudi arabia he's an ambassador for the for the tourism board there and would get paid i don't know what the reported numbers are like nine million pound a game or something daft like that but there are also reports that he wants to stay in europe now, there are very, 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 very few number of teams who would be able to firstly afford him and secondly be able to attract him. You're sat in the, the City boardroom this summer, Luke. Lionel Messi's face is on the table in front of you on a sheet of paper, I must say, not just sort of like hovering <laughs> under the table. You've got to decide yes or no for City based on, I don't know, a two, two three-year contract. He'll come in into squad. You know, it's gonna it's gonna cost you a, a fair bit of money in wages and signing on fees, etc. Are you saying yes? Or are you saying no? It depends what hat you look it on. If you're looking from a commercial standpoint, where say if I'm a commercial director, it's a yes, one hundred percent, no hesitation, get him in straight away, don't mess about. Whereas if you're looking at it from a player's point of view, does he fit our system? I don't think so. Personally, I, I I feel like with the signing of Leo Messi, all right, he is the greatest player of all time. I'll happily said that. I've said that for years. He's the best player I've ever seen live, and I've seen lots of players live. But with the time of it now, say if it was a couple of years ago when it was when he first went to PSG, I was an advocate. I wanted him at Man City. It was it was a it was a dream of ours. We always wanted to see him there in the sky blue. Um, but now. I just feel like it would be a little bit of a kicking the teeth for players like James McAtee, who's just gone away. He's he's brought Sheffield United into the Premier League. People like your Doyles, who are looking to break in. People like your Cole Palmer's, who's taken uh, basically a year out, essentially, on the bench. It's a little bit where I, I personally, as a fan, I wouldn't want him to sign for Man City. And I know it's a little bit outlandish to say that. But personally... I don't think he would fit our system. Mm. But then again, if he did sign, Messi and you wants to be like, yes, it's, it's, it's Lionel Messi, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I feel like there's two hats to look at it. Um, when you're looking at the commercial standpoint, he'll bring in loads of money. He's, he's, he's perfect. But when you look at the playing standpoint, maybe we should be looking elsewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully with Luke here. I think the only positive to signing Lionel Messi is from a commercial point mm. of view from a marketing point of view and i think that goes against everything the club have have done basically since abu dhabi took over in in 2008 um you know maybe there was a six month flurry of of bidding for kaka and 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 players like that but but ever since then signing players like Lionel messi have kind of gone against everything that they've stood for in terms of building a squad and 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 the way that they've run the club um you know, from a playing point of view, bringing in Lionel Messi is possibly one of the worst things you could do. Genuinely, mm. I mean, this system now, the entire system that Pep has played for years now, is built on on energy pressing, and you know, eleven men kind of stuck together by by a string that you know the organized press, the organized energy, and and he doesn't fit into that. You know, there was a reason they they needed Julian Alvarez to come in at the World Cup. And, and kind of be that energy man up top. And that's because Lionel Messi walks around. And don't get me wrong, I adore, I absolutely adore Lionel Messi. He's by far the greatest player to ever step foot on a pitch and probably my favorite player to ever play the sport for that reason. But he just doesn't fit in at City. 
from mm. off the field to on the field. He doesn't fit in. It, it goes against everything that the club have kind of stood for in terms of the way that, that they build the squad. So, yeah, unless all you care about is selling shirts, um, then there's no reason to sign him. And, and look, we're not the, the red team from Salford. We don't sign players to sell shirts and give them big wages for, for nothing in return on the pitch. It's funny, isn't it? Because it's Lionel Messi, and and I think I agree that it's a a, a clean sweep of of nose, which is mental because he is. He, I remember before the takeover, I I used to sort of in my garden in my new city shirt would would play and and sort of create these. Like, I'm talking like when I was eight years old, not when I was bloody sort of like eighteen. <laughs> but I used to create these. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, on my on my spare time, just after uni. Um, but you know, you, you dream of these players coming in at the time. Obviously, like you say, Kaká, and and it goes to show his longevity. At, you know, fifteen, twenty years ago. Sorry, fifteen years ago, not twenty years ago. Lionel Messi was one of these main figures in world football, and he still is there. But there's a reason that you would say no to him now, and and you know, I wouldn't want him to go off to Saudi Arabia and, and sort of. The, the the other the other partner in this sort of supposedly um era of of Messi and Ronaldo is sort of washed away in in a faraway land and, and isn't really doing much for is it Al Nasser or something like that. I've seen he's already trying to push for a move away, but I wouldn't want to see that. Nor would I want him to leave Europe really, but it's a case of really like mm, I wouldn't actually want him at City, which is which is bizarre, isn't it? Because They've had such a, a good relationship with Pep Guardiola, and, and Luke, do you think Pep Guardiola would would even would sanction it? I know he's been asked numerous times. Like you mentioned two years ago, there was that um, the the links when it looked like it really, really could happen, and he stayed at Barcelona for an extra year before leaving to PSG. And Pep Guardiola said, "No, he's going to finish his career at Barcelona. I don't want him to leave Barcelona." Well, he has done. So, do you think maybe Pep Guardiola now would be more inclined to saying yes to it because the horse has bolted somewhat and he has left Barcelona and has sort of cut the ties there? Or do you still think it would be a hard, you know, take away the footballing aspect for a minute for Pep Guardiola emotionally, because I'm sure it would be hard for him to turn it down to work with Messi again. Do you think even the emotional side of him says no to coming to I, Man City? Yeah, I honestly believe he would have a more straight no than us three. Like personally, <laughs> I think he's a straight no. Pep, Pep Guardiola, he doesn't bring a lot of emotional sort of decisions in. Mm. He's very, he's very sort of tactical about his approach, about everything that he does. And I feel like if he brought in Messi, it's kind of gone away with majority of the decisions he's made over the past five years so personally I think he'd be a more he'd be a harsher no than the three of us together like we're all considering it a little bit even if we're all still a no but I just I would love for Messi to go back to a Spanish side who's like a low league side do like a David Silva look at what he's doing with Mm. Real Sociedad and bringing them up I'd, I'd love to see Messi do something like that just go to a bit of a of off field sort of um, yeah uh, just, just going to a lower league side, bringing them up and doing something like that. I don't know what else he could do with his career. But I feel like that would be perfect for him. What What happened to superstars going back to their boyhood clubs? Like, why? Why has he? Well, why is new it old, even... old boys don't pay seven billion pounds a game, do they? <laughs> yeah, give but... you like a, a ambassador contract for Saudi Arabia. That, that then that I, I understand that, but it's just such a shame that that's this mm, guy that yeah, has yeah. made bags of money. He's won everything under the sun. Do do we really have to see the two best players of this generation go to, you know, Saudi Arabia where they're just political pieces in a big chess game? Like, mm. it's such a horrible thing to think about. Honestly, I'd I'd much rather him go back and play at Newell's Old Boys or 
you know, somewhere in Argentina and have an actual story to it. Like, like Maradona Mm. going back to Argentina at the end of his career. Eh, I don't know. It's a, it's a shame. Well, Naples, Lionel, if you're listening, I'm sure they could uh, do with an extra body in their in their title charge next season, having won it this year. But yeah, I know it is it is mad, and, and it, it is such a shame because uh, let me present this scenario to you then, Adam, um, before we wrap up. And and you know, like I said, it, it, it's pure speculation from our part. There's no sort of real info. But say City win the treble this year, they win the Champions League, they win the Premier League, they win the FA Cup, which is as we know is the treble. Would you even then, having sort of quote-unquote completed football for City, because I know as soon as City win that first Champions League, my interest is already low in the competition. Dear me, it's going to plummet afterwards because there'd be no reason, you know. One Champions League is enough. Give us 10 Premier Leagues in a row, that'll do me. But even then, say he was on some sort of again we're speculating say he agreed to sort of a, not a part-time contract you know he's not going to be doing bloody plastering in his spare time down Hardwick <laughs> or something like that but you know like it, it, he isn't going to play every game he's, he'll start some games on the bench he'll come on would you even then and I'm playing devil's advocate would you even then say no um if he was not in the the Best starting eleven, Pep's first eleven. That's the only way that it, because Pep's entire system is reliant on players who are the polar opposite of Lionel Messi. Mm. Um, so, if you could guarantee me he doesn't play in any of the big games or just comes off the bench, maybe I would take mm. it. Yeah, but no, probably probably not. It won't be a bad super sub, would it, Luke? Lionel Messi coming on with, with Julian Alvarez. Imagine being Sheffield United, just coming up <laughs> to the Premier League, and then you hear Lionel Messi is coming to play against you, <laughs> coming off the bench, and you, you're already knackered. You, you've had a long, yeah. long day dealing with like Bernardo Silva running at you if he's still there, dealing with all these players, and then Lionel Messi comes off uh, for 20 minutes. It's, it's your idea from hell. Um mm. I I would be open to it if he doesn't. As I'm the same as Adam. If he if he doesn't play in the first eleven, I'm happy for it. But is that going to happen? I, I I don't think so. Uh, mm. I I I I think if we're thinking, I'm a big football manager player. In football manager, he would have gone back to um, his old boys uh, mm. back in Argentina. I want that to happen. Unfortunately, just like most other sports nowadays, money talks, and I feel like. Saudi Arabia is probably going to be calling for him, unfortunately. If you thought Sport Bible's posts about how deep City's bench is and how nobody can compete, just imagine until Leo <laughs> Messi is sitting there every week, away to Fulham, and he's just sat on the bench waiting for his cameo appearance. Yeah, yeah. Lionel Messi next to Calvin Phillips and Sergio Gomez. <laughs> um, right, chaps, that'll do for today's show. We'll call it a day. Um, let us know what you think if Lionel Messi should come to Manchester City. I mean, Newcastle, Saudi Arabia, maybe there's one there, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see where he ends up. Um, Luke, strong debut. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much. We'll be, we'll be hearing plenty from you in the coming weeks. So, yeah, really enjoyed that. Thank you very much for having me on again. Uh, pleasure to meet you both as well, Adam as well, overseas. Been a pleasure, thank you. Off Pete, po- off Pete, off Beat Podcast One, if you want to see more of Luke. Adam, you're back, you're healthy. Um, big few weeks coming up. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be uh, hopefully a little less uh, less out of it for the remaining five or six games. 
um, and hopefully will still be in it for the remaining five or six games. If you haven't, follow, subscribe, whatever you want to do. That'll be great. Until next time, we'll see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.